design and, and, and other areas. But a big thank you to all of our volunteers, our staff, our board who helped make last weekend so special. Uh, so much feedback from those who we haven't seen in this room for a long time because of ob the obvious reasons, health issues and things like that, but are so grateful that they can still tune in uh, through the, the means that we have, technology all around this room. And we love you, all of our family that's watching. Thanks for waking up this morning, grabbing a coffee, and being a part of our service. Can we just say hi to everybody that's listening online right now? Everybody with a big shout. Yeah. They can hear you. They can hear you, I promise. Uh, it's, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to, uh, to really enlighten this idea that we don't have to actually be in here every week to be a part of what God's doing. Like there is, there is so many places uh, to, to be a part of the bigger picture. And it's just created space for, for everyone that desires uh, to be a part of local church. Not just here at CLA, but all over the world. And that's what this year has accomplished uh, for so many smaller churches and those that didn't have the infrastructure uh, for technology. And now they do. And you know what that means? The gospel is being told way more around the world in 2021 than it, than it was ever in history. That's a big deal. And people can find it, and they can establish a sense of belonging, even though they might be on the other side of the world. It creates opportunity, and that's what I'm grateful for. And as we landed the plane on our series about establishing longevity of healthy family, which I don't think that theme will ever go away as we are in these types of, of realities with all that's going on around us. There's something about feeling safe. It's feeling like you are a part of a bigger, uh, a, a bigger initiative than what's really going on in the core of our lives. That, that brings healing, that brings hope, that brings perspective beyond the challenges that we may be facing in our own personal life. And that's why the beauty of church, family, faith community is so pivotal in one's life. And if you are here today because you came last week for Easter, we just welcome you back for your second week. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, we want to make sure that we have all the tools, all the, um, the avenues of information that you may need or seek uh, for understanding who we are as a church. CLA is moving in a direction that we're all very proud of, all very excited about, and in areas a little bit, a little bit scared because we're, we're looking at things that are bigger than what we can do in the natural. And... Uh, one of my most favorite mentors that I had in my younger years of ministry said to me, Tim, if, you, if your vision for church and for the global mission of God, it, you can accomplish it in your own strength, then you're, you're thinking way too little. You're thinking way too uh, carnal in nature, I would say, where you're not allowing the Lord to come in supernaturally and build something that would be impossible without his his miracle working power. Who's with me on that? I am so thankful for that. And as I was thinking about these next couple months, I don't know if today is the beginning of a new series or if it's just uh, some thoughts that 
had been on my heart that I'd been studying, uh, kind of a deep dive into some intense, uh, intense study where there's some big words that I'm going to say today only because I think they relate to the culture that we're in. Uh, hopefully, I can do my best to explain uh, everything by definition. But I really wanted to establish a little bit of a perspective on where we are at currently as, as a culture in our Western world, where we are dealing with challenge and disconnect and strife and, and the inability to understand one another without the help of the Lord. I, even at times I feel like I'm asking the Lord into conversations and I still don't understand the person that I'm talking to. Who's with me? There is, there is a, just a dichotomy of, of thought and, and, and perspective and opinion right now that we have to think about these things with a lens that comes from Jesus. If we don't, we are going to get lost in a lot of frustration. And I've been there. I am not immune to this. And none of us in this room are. It's kind of been that get through it season. Some more for others. Uh, some it's been more of a challenge than, than others have been facing this last year. Even in our, anyone in the, the restaurant business in this room? Is there anyone that's involved? There's a few in, in here. There's a kind of a saying that's going around that I've heard a few times where restaurant owners, their slogan right now is, survival is the new success. Right? That's, that sounds in awesome, but when you actually think about it, like, in terms of, like, a passion to, to get through this, but when you actually dig into to what that means, that's really sad, that survival is the new success. I believe, and we've been talking about this all year, about the dream, about developing um, beyond what we see in front of us, uh, a heart for what God has, not just a survival mentality, but really a, a thriving mentality for the things that the Lord has in store for us. We're still here. We still get to gather. We still get to be together. You might say, Tim, you say that every week. Well, every week is a gift that we're still here and we get to be together and, and look each other in the eye and have meaningful, thoughtful conversations about things that actually have meaning in our life. This is really important, and I've said this before, but if you are not here out of habit, come back and say hi and, and, and connect with people, obviously, if you're away for health reasons and other uh, realities, we understand that and we love you, but if you are just away because it's comfortable, who, said, who would agree with me? Come on back, say hi, be a part of what's happening here live in our church community on Sundays and throughout the week. There's a verse in, in James 1 I want to highlight, and then I'm going to dive into Psalms 80 in just a minute, but James 1 says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if your criteria for a good life is to feel happy, some would say that's the case, maybe not in this room, but culturally, then I think this year is most likely uh, has been very low on the totem pole in terms of a thriving season. But if your goal is to grow and mature into a person that is like Jesus, then I think this last year for a lot of us, was actually a, the chance of a lifetime. Who's with me? It's been a, thank you, I've got two in the room. 
if that has been your goal, then there is something about this persevering culture that we're in that can actually bring maturity. Not with reading, necessarily just reading books or listening, listening to teachings or, 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 or things like that, but actually persevering into maturity in the faith. That has been my desire. I don't get it right every day, every week, but I do my best to be conscious of this in my personal life. Spring is, is certainly on the horizon. I was out playing basketball with the, the kids yesterday on our front street. And I, I don't know if it was just my eyes, but I was looking at the trees and I thought I saw a few, few buds on the trees. Is anyone with me? I think they're coming. And uh, spring is on the horizon. And spring, we know, is a time when seeds germinate and they grow into new life. And that happens every year. It's a chance to reset. And I think we can take that into our own life. And over these next few weeks, I think we are heading in this direction. I, I'm sure the Lord is, is, is crafting something around my heart today that's not just for today but for these weeks to come. Something that we need to be really thinking about. The kind of church that we want to become and the kind of followers of Jesus that we want to mature into. I think that's a great place to be thinking about. How do we come back better as a holistic church community? Everyone that would call this place home. How do we come back better Understanding that God has a future for us and God has a future for the church in the West, Canada, North America, and obviously globally. But we think so much about those around us and to our brothers and sisters just south of us in the USA who are dealing with similar but different but very unique challenges on each side of the border. But I do believe... The future is bright and my heart is hopeful and I want all of us to be hopeful as we move forward into spring. I want to read Psalms 80 to, to us this morning. It's not on the screen. If you have a Bible, uh, you can pull it out or you can just close your eyes. Don't fall asleep, but close your eyes and just listen to these words. This isn't necessarily a chapter that you would exegete or bring a ton of teaching around. It's more, it's more of an emotional cry from one who, who is certainly in a place of turmoil, although seeking, seeking the Lord with, for solution. And that obviously is a very good thing. So let's have a read here together. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says this, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who Led Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken, you might come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that you may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors and our enemies. Mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. 
You brought a vine out of Egypt and you drove out the nation and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its boughs to the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, it and the cre- creators, or creatures, excuse me, of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root, of, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. I don't know about you, but there's some, some very unique cry in there that I have been able to relate to this past year. Even in this season, we are currently in. If you want, encourage you even go back and read this Psalms 80 in the message version. It, uh, it unpacks it in a very clear uh, English format, if you may, sometime in your studies this week. There is, there is difficulty. I think all of us would agree that there is difficulty in being a follower of Jesus. Who's with me? It is, it is certainly not something that we can establish as a ride of total euphoria all the time. Now, although we have moments where we are in the presence of God, experiencing his presence in a way that is unshakably transforming us from the inside out, there are some that maybe walk in this reality more in their life than others, but I would say that as our days and our weeks and our years move forward, Every single person in this room has faced trial, has faced tragedy, has faced discomfort, maybe betrayal, maybe misunderstanding, being misunderstood. All of us walk through this. And certainly the psalmist in, in, in chapter 80 was feeling and experiencing the same thing. I believe that Psalms 80 is really closer to a, a lament of of heart, difficult moments. The reason I bring that up today and, and dive into a few things before we close today with some, some um, positive perspective, it's because we need to be relating to one another. And I never want to get up here on stage and be unrelatable with my words, with my heart, Although we always want to speak truth and hope and, and joy into every environment, there's, there's something super important about, about being relatable and recognizing that if you're coming into this room today and you're not doing okay, I want you to know that that's okay. We're not judging. We're not, there's no expectation on you to, to be a certain way, to live a certain, there is, 
there is a trust in the Lord that we have for our lives and for every life in this room and for those watching today where we believe that through community, through connection, through accountability, through just walking and doing life together that we can actually discover wholeness in Jesus. And at times, the wrestle is real. Even Aaron, so, so graciously this morning, was honest and vulnerable with us. And it affirmed some of what I wanted to share today. So thank you for your, for your willingness to go there and be honest with everyone about how your week was. We carry these things together. We, the people of God, we face a number of challenges and have faced some in these seasons and will continue to face things. The cultural landscape has shifted in the aftermath or the tail end, I guess, of COVID. And with all the political polarization that none of us have been immune to as well. COVID has intensified that march towards or the march of a secular society. Secularism is, is more rampant today than we've ever seen before, both on the left and the right. And that corrosive and compromising effect of these things on the church is very real. I have never seen the faith community of God so up in arms with one another. I just haven't seen it. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm still young in my own heart. I just turned 40. It's not a lot of years on this earth, but enough to recognize that this current reality of disconnect, especially in faith community, is not okay. It's not okay. But it's real, and it's happening all around us. With this new moment that we are in, in time, comes an array of challenges for us as followers of Jesus. And I want to go through these. There's a few of them. Maybe you can relate to one or two or, or all of them. But these are the challenges that I believe, and many leaders in the church, and, and not just in the church, but culturally believe that we are facing and feeling. And I, I, I am understanding in my heart that maybe each of these things is where the Lord is desiring to take us for the next little while to bring solution to some of these challenges and what the, what the Jesus way looks like on the other side of these challenges. Stay tuned for that. I'm not sure, but I believe that's what God's doing. That number one challenge that we're seeing is individualism. Number one. We are currently living through the hollowing out of Canadian society as we speak. That's what we're living through. There's an author named Robert Putman. He wrote a book called Bowling Alone. Some of you may have heard of this book or read it. It's all about the disconnect of connection or of community within our culture. The, the latest stat is that 40% of North Americans have one to zero confidants. Did you hear that? That's almost half of people say they've got maybe one, if any, of someone that they can confide in. That's a big deal. Not a single person to process pain with. Loneliness is the greatest epidemic of our time. 
And we have been formed by a culture where most relationships are transactional. We've heard this new rave of, of, of business culture. It's not very new. I, I'd say over the last 15 years where let's make our business, our, our, our business family that, just that, our family, our, our community that we go to work with. Let's surround ourselves with those people and put foosball tables and cots and, and pool tables and, and poker tables at the, at, the, at the office and we can just live and do life together and spend all our time at the office. I think there was motive behind that, to be honest. But even with that, how, how safe is that? Because if, 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 as an employee, if you're not performing, you're fired. So really, it doesn't have a sense of connection, an authentic sense that we as humans are looking for. The hollowing out of community is all around us. We ache for loving relationships with family and with friends. And intimacy, intimacy, the truth is, only resides in the safety of commitment. You can have independence or intimacy. You have to pick. And that is a challenge that all of us, I believe, are facing. Everyone around us is going through this wrestle right now of what we want life to look like for ourselves. So how do we, in a culture that is designed to form us into authentic selves with transactional choice, architecture, I love that, of relationship. That's not my own, but I, I love that. A transactional choice, architecture of relationship live together in a thick web of loving relationships and with, with brothers and sisters in the family of God. How do we do that? John Mark Comer touched on this. I'll, I'll read that again. How do we, in a culture that is designed to form us into authentic selves with transactional choice, architecture of relationships, live together in a thick web of loving relationships with brothers and sisters in the family of God. How do we do that? Individualism is at, its, is at an epidemic. Challenge number two is this. Idolatrous ideologies or beliefs or, or thoughts, however you want to define that. We live in an age of ideology. If you don't believe me, uh, sign up for Twitter, get an account, and spend a few hours on there. It's there. It's everywhere. It's so rampant. You'll observe the narrative of Canadians and Americans, and really globally, you'll see in a very short amount of time exactly what I'm referring to if you go there. On both the left and the right, Ideas that started out as theories about the human condition have turned into, listen to this, quasi-religious metaphysics. I had no idea what that meant when I read this. I looked it up. It's essentially this, a philosophy that examines the fundamental nature of reality, okay? By which people derive their identity, belonging to a community, self-justification, uh, a moral and ethical vision and a lens by which few people view everything. They have turned things into, into idols. We have turned ourselves into idols at times, or almost like pseudo-gods that we know everything. This is, this is the reality that's around us. 
I wanted to bring some, some deeper thought this morning about culture because it's important to understand it. Idolatrous theology. The great ache for me as a pastor this last year is to see so many followers of Jesus in our churches, around us here, specifically in our city, draw away, being drawn away by the pull of ideologies on the left and the right. It's not just the left. Being pulled away from, from this beautiful understanding of faith community. It is happening all around us. No matter how noble our secular attempts to usher in the kingdom of God uh, without God, how do we stay faithful to the purest form, that orthodoxy, the way of Jesus in a day and age when so many are walking away from the faith? It's a great question, I thought. How do we do it? That's this ideology. The third challenge Get ready for it. Moral relativism. Hello. Moral beliefs, moral doctrine, however you want to look at that. For all the talk of tolerance that we hear, hear this this morning, there seems to be a more rigid, judgmental, and angry tone that has worked its way into our everyday conversations. How ironic. We're talking and believing and, and, and the narrative culturally is tolerance, yet the fruit is judgment and an angry tone that's worked, our, worked its way into our everyday conversations. There, there's a moral logic that says this. Be true to yourself as long as it doesn't harm anyone. But this doesn't work very well in a pluralistic society because... Harm requires an agreed-upon definition of good and evil. And we don't have that right now. Did you hear that? To call a behavior harmful, hateful, or loving means that we actually have to have knowledge of what good is or bad is for a person. And that's what's up for debate all over the world right now. So it's impossible in this current setting to figure some of these things out. Love in Scripture. We know those who study Scripture, many in this room do diligently. That love is defined by, by Jesus. To give of yourself for the good of another. It's not defined as a desire or a lust or a nice, warm feeling. And that's one of the many, many disconnects that we see where... You can love someone or will the good in someone unless you have a conviction of good and evil. How do we stay true to Jesus and to his, his narrative, his, his parables, his almost like a map of, of, of reality that he laid out for us in the Gospels? How do we stay true to that and honor God with our lives in this current season? It's a question I've been asking myself for a while. Romans 12 gives us some beautiful picture of this. True and proper worship, all that I am, holy and pleasing to you. We may need to unpack these a bit more through these weeks. Fourth, one that we can all relate to is this digital revolution. This is a challenge. 
I live it real time in my own home with my 12-year-old daughter trying to find a balance with digital platform and going outside and playing in the leaves. Any parent with me there? We got a few amens on the back. Smartphones, social media are so, so dangerous for spiritual formation. We are distracting ourselves. Ronald Wilheiser says this. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. The deeper problem is not just distraction and addiction, but the rise of cancel culture and tribalism is what I was studying here. Which tribalism is a loyalty to a group that is built on strong negative feelings towards everyone who doesn't agree with the ideals of the group. Sound familiar? Listen, the right is not immune to this. We see it ugly on both sides. People are so scared. They're mad. They've got this tribal mentality that you can't even have conversation anymore without a wrong word or idea putting you at risk of being dismissed or put into the enemy category. I, I, I made a few enemies this, this year, unfortunately. Not publicly, though. Thank you, Jesus. Friendships are ending and families are splitting apart because of this. And guys, the church is not immune. We're seeing it and feeling it. So how do we live in peace in an age of anxiety and follow Christ's call to be a peacemaker in this age of outrage? I leave you with that question today. Fifth on the list of challenges is political polarization. Sociologists would say in my study that due in large part to social media, we are more divided as a nation now more than ever. And America would say this too. They're saying in America, they're more divided than they were during the Civil War. That's extraordinary thought. If you actually take a moment to think about what that means. The extremes in society that are now being widely accepted are, are greatly intimidating, even the, that centric place of thought. Some of you would say that you, you definitely land in that, that type of thinking. Left, right, I'm more of a centric thinker. I understand a bit of both. I get it, I embrace, I adopt. Even for them, it's a greatly intimidating time. Barry Weiss, as a, as a lady who worked for the New York Times, she resigned. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. She, she does, in her resignation letter that was printed in the New York Times, she said something so profound. She said, being a centrist should not require bravery, but today it does. She was talking about journalism and politics in that context, but I believe there's a similar challenge for us as followers of Jesus where our allegiance is first and foremost to the kingdom of God, not to the nation of Canada and to multi-ethnic family of and to multi-ethnic family of God, not just our own tribe here. It needs to be diverse 
in how we view people, how we love one another denominationally, how we love each other in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, in our friend circles, in our faith communities. It should be multiplied in how we show love to each other. Number six, that war, that war is so tiring. Oh, I want to ask this question, excuse me. How do we live and love when we are caught in a cultural civil war that is winner take all? That's that political polarization. It's exhausting, which leads us to number six, exhaustion. Anyone exhausted in this room? Come on, be honest. Maybe not in all areas of your life, but I promise you there's some areas where you're exhausted. We are living in a time that has been coined the burnout society. Where people tend to jump back and forth from online outrage to a, a numbing escape of, of a digital, digital atmosphere is what they're saying. So it's this, this, this back and forth of jumping in and out of, of, of a facade of what's actually real being outraged about certain things and then jumping into this like euphoric digital atmosphere. Maybe none of us in this room are, are at that reality, but there are many that are. This is what the generations of the past call, uh, it's called like stagnation or passivity or acedia, I think is how it's pronounced. A distractibility or mild depression and a lack of spiritual zeal or fervor. Hello. This has been coined hundreds of years ago where, where the reality in our context in 2021 is a mindless scrolling on Instagram in the middle of the day or even late into the night. Hello. That, that's a relatable, uh, I guess, fruit of what comes from this burnout society. So many are just too tired to live well. How do we keep our soul alive and vibrant and full of passion for life in this kingdom? In the kingdom of Jesus that God has called us to thrive in is my question on exhaustion. Seven, the flip side is this challenge. Uh, the flip side of exhaustion, I believe, would be careerism. I don't even know if that's a word, but I like it. Careerism. It has become a cult that people give their soul over to. And as a result, the soul is very vulnerable to burnout, anxiety, and even compromise of a greedy mindset. Striving for more, work more, create more, build more asset, build more. A little less relatable to the younger generations, very much prevalent in the older. How do we do career with conviction around our work? where what we do every day matters for the common good and from a place of contribution and love. Love that question. We may take a look at that in the weeks to come. And lastly is the big buzzword of 2020, 2021. Starts with an I, ends with I-C-E, injustice. This has been a challenge. A great social issue of our time. The growing inequalities of our time are new for some groups, for some of us maybe, but in turn it's, a very, it's very old for others. 
This is nothing new per se, depending on who you are and culturally who you represent. We all know there is much talk about social justice, and church, I'm so grateful for that. I am extraordinarily grateful for how this has been highlighted. But truth is, is, there's often a, a jarring difference, okay, between the secular version of social justice and Christ's version of social justice. It's not the social justice of our biblical generals like, like Micah or Isaiah, Jeremiah, even Jesus himself, or many of the saints that we've read about and studied through history. It's different. History has proven time and time again of those who become the very evil they set out to fight in the first place. That's a, that's a hard one to, to, to think about. But it's happening. History has proven this. That the very evil we set out to fight against, we end up becoming. How do we do justice in such a way that we do not become the oppressor? This is not an exhaustive list, but I believe it. It's one that many churches are studying right now and looking at these eight things. It does give us a strong perspective into the major challenges that we are currently facing. And will continue to face as a church. It's really not going anywhere. But yet, my friends, your pastor is hopeful. This is where I'm going to turn the corner. I've got four minutes. This is where I'm very hopeful. For the future of the church. Do you know that the church is actually exploding around the world right now. Despite what you aren't hearing on mainstream media. They say in Iran right now, there's a, there's a greater move of God in Iran right now than even in the underground church of China in the 90s. It's happening right now. Have you heard about it? you got to look for it. But it's there. There's some witness in this room. I like that. I felt that. It's happening. There's... There's, there's an explosion of expansion, a renewal globally. And people way smarter than me have said that church is often at its best when cultural hostility is at its worst. Can we tap into that here at CLA? But don't get too excited yet because hostility tends to make smaller church but a stronger church. And that's something I know we need to pivot towards globally. It tends to make the committed more committed and the nominal walk away because it's too hard. This is sad and this needs to grieve us, but we need to remain hopeful because we have a bright future. They say, they say that what's happening in these pockets around the world is going to create, and is already creating a move of God that cannot be suppressed any longer in terms of, of identifying what's actually happening, even through mainstream media. This could potentially be our finest moment as a global church. It's hard to believe that, that disaster can actually be a very good thing for people, but we need to realize that, that in God's economy and in his kingdom, what the enemy meant for evil, God says, uh-uh. I'm going to turn it around 
for good. What if we could flip this moment around from anxiety to possibility? And I don't have a ton of time to get into this. Maybe I'll save some of these thoughts for, for next week. But it requires almost like a rule of life or a way of life. And there's a lot of thought around this that church leaders are having currently. There's this, there's this pulse of the Spirit where we, where we need to come closer together, not, not farther apart. I mean, that's obvious. But a guy who some of you would know in this room, Diedrich, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Anybody familiar with this crazy general of the faith? Bonhoeffer is a beauty. He, uh, he built an underground seminary called Finkenwald. F, starts with an F, Finkenwald. And he set this up during those years of Nazi regime to train pastors and leaders to combat against the regime. He wrote that, the book, The Cost of Discipleship. I recommend it. Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It's a classic. He says this, the renewal of the church will come from a new type of monasticism. Monasticism, which is, which is what I referred to earlier. Something in the pulse of the spirit where we are closer together, not farther apart. There's a new type, which has only in common with the old and uncompromising allegiance to the Sermon on the Mount that we find, of course, in the New Testament. It is high time that men and women banded together to do this and to do this with conviction. Now, none of us can run away and be a monk. Maybe, maybe some can. Um, but practically speaking, that's not really possible. But the way that we can posture our lives towards this type of thinking is to create something, as I mentioned, like a way of life or a rule of life. And this comes from that Latin word, regula, which is very interesting. It's, it, that means like a straight piece of wood. Most likely in that time, this word was used uh, to describe a trellis in the vineyard. Okay? So, as I was reading in Psalms 80, there's talk of vines and all of these wonderful things. This is how this all relates. In John 15, you can go read it. It talks about spiritual formation, that process of becoming more like Christ. We are like a branch in the vine bearing much fruit. So for a vine to bear much fruit, for those of you who understand this whole world, you have to have a trellis. Otherwise, it needs a support structure to guard and to guide so it can reach its maximum potential as a vine. If you want to go study it, I, I encourage you to study the trellis. In the same way for you and I as this relates, for us to abide in the vine, we need something like this. Figuratively speaking, we need a life structure to create space to abide. That is what the rule, a rule of life could look like and we could start dreaming about here at CLA. What does that look like? Well, I'm going to save this for the weeks to come. But there is a journey that I do believe the Lord wants us to go on where we, we schedule and set some practices 
and relational rhythms in place that create space for each of us to become more like Jesus. And do what we, what he would do if, if he were us as we live in alignment with our deepest desires. From that lifestyle, we can find peace. And as Andy Crouch says, a set of practices to guard our habits and guide our lives. So I think we're going to go on a bit of a journey over the next little bit. I'm, a, I'm actually really excited about this. Because all of these challenges that I just shared with you this morning, there is, on the flip side of a challenge, there is a God-redeeming posture that can combat any challenge that we may face or that culture is throwing at us right now. So I think that this could be something very special for our church. Establishing new rhythm, reestablishing some new normal as disciples of, of Christ. As I close today, There definitely are some things that we need to have in place as, as the future church. And I'm going to pause there because they're too good to just run through. And we'll pick this up next week with some thought around authentic relationship with each other that actually creates a foundation for all of us that, that, that builds an expectation in our heart for the impossible. I've been asking God this question a lot lately, and if I'm honest, where's Dawn? Is she in the room right now? Dawn and I had a fantastic conversation this week about these exact things, which triggered a lot in my, in my spirit. And I told Don with, with the vulnerable self that I, that I am at times where I'm asking myself the question and wrestling with the Lord. Lord, I know, I know that I love the CLA community, which of course includes everyone in this room and those who are watching today. But then I asked the second part of this question to the Lord. Do I like everyone? in the CLA community. And hear my heart on that. There is, there is obviously a, a risk in me even saying that. But you know what I mean. We are called to love, but do I actually, am I actually in relationship with this family at the core to where there's a there's a there's a, a liking of who you are that's so sincere and so pure and so real and authentic that we actually are building an environment that's so safe and so and, and giving permission for people to belong almost instantly because of the health that we've created at the core and at the foundation. I don't know if that exists yet, but I'm hopeful. And that's where we're heading as a church. So jump on in. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you that, that sometimes the, the challenging thought 
that you fill our hearts with are the things that trigger uh, a revolutionary uh, shift or pivot in, in our lives. It doesn't come through, through simplicity very often. Simplicity in terms of an, of an ease, I should say. It's not, it's not easy, even though in Scripture we see that we can wrestle through things with ease. A part of, of moving to that posture is being challenged with where we are currently at and the, the, the areas that we are blinded by, the things that we are holding dear to our hearts that you have, that you have never said to hold on to. As Cody even mentioned earlier in the service, Lord, search our hearts, reveal to us those things so that we can, we can be in a place to receive from you with a heart that is open to the things that you desire to download into each of us. Lord, as I set the stage for this in the weeks to come, would you do that in each of our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We're going to have some fun. I believe that. A little bit of a different ending to this morning. I do know some of you need to go and get your children. Uh, others need to exit due to some other responsibilities or commitments after church here. But in this posture today, I would just ask for some of our team. We can grab these tables um, and we're going to just start to pivot towards our board of directors, our board member vote that we needed to redo, uh, of course, from two weeks ago, as, as Cody mentioned earlier. So thank you, all of you, for being here. If you need to sneak out, please do so. I promise you we're going to be no more than 20 minutes right now. Everything is set and ready, fine-tuned machine to get this done properly. But we could maybe put some tunes on in the background there. And uh, over to my right, stage right, your left, is the sign-in table for all our members. We are going to have over here on this side, Philip will do the scrutineers. And then up on stage, Justin will just have a few of our board members standing um, in place for this vote. Uh, we would ask that you would take some time uh, to, to do what you need to do, maybe a washroom break or a quick pivot. But let's get back in here and get this vote completed. Name is over here. Cody's going to be here too. Come on, come and sign up. Do we have our box ready? Nema, do we have the box? Oh, right there. Thank you. God bless you. We love you. See you next week, everyone who are sneaking out. Have a great rest of your time this day.
Just a quick note, uh, hold off on voting as of yet. We're just gonna make sure that everybody has their ballots. Before we do so, I will uh, officially open up this special meeting in just a few minutes. And as well, Justin just reminded me, the ballots all say uh, second term. That was just uh, an oversight. You can see up on the screen the terms for each of our nominee nominees. Uh, just disregard that second term that's written on every single ballot, please. Thank you. On another note, if you do know of a member who is not here today um, for, for whatever reason, we do have a link for them that we can email them right away uh, so that they can vote online. That platform is available for those who are not in the room. But we decided to go paper uh, for the, the, the room just so we could get this done and done efficiently without any hiccups. So if you do know somebody, there are a few that will be voting online that aren't with us. Jeremy's going to be taking care of that. But uh, go and chat with Jer in the sound booth there, and he will lead you in the right direction. Two minutes, and we will, we will um, begin our special meeting. Thank you.